Hi, James here, and welcome to the podcast. This is the definitive conversation about the automotive industry, cars, repairs, and a whole bunch more. Glenn Power joins me, and we have a little bit of a chat in this episode. You're going to love it about whether or not the Nissan Maxima is the original sports car, as they claim. You're going to love it. Always entertaining always informative and definitely educational. This is the James cast. We're talking cars with Glenn power. Here we go. So I'm, I'm excited that we're going to get our first PowerPoints in and, um, yeah, there we go. That's, let's, let's just hit it out the park next week with <laughs> reverb. And I mean, if we could get like, you could get maybe motorhead to do as a, <laughs> an intro, that'd be great. Can you imagine? Some sort of theme music. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll fire some reverb on it and see what we can do. It'll be fun. PowerPoints. <laughs> What's going on otherwise? How you do, how you doing? How's, uh, how yeah, was, how was the drive in here today? Uh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, taxi. Came okay. in taxi. I've got to pick a car that's supposedly going to be dropped off to me here. All right. See how that works. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah. It's weird out there today. It is. I don't know if it's cool or not. Yeah, it's 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 turn weird. the AC off this morning. Yeah, in no. the car, it was like cold. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's weird because the temperature is is doable. I mean, you know, it's thirty three, thirty four when I came in, but I I don't know. It's it's just weird. It's a little weird. So, what can we say? We can't say anything. It's it's, it's just the weather is the weather, and that's you know that's that's where it is. And it's 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 just strange. I think it's that in between time. And wh- what do you do? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You know what? Let's let's dive into it. Let's get going. Let's let's do this. Yeah. Here we go. No, that's not it. <laughs> could be it. It could be it. No, that's the catching up theme. Yeah. Uh, okay. uh, different themes for different shows, right? And it's <laughs> <laughs> actually spoke to my son who did our theme and he did the theme a few years ago and uh spoke to him last night and said uh hey dude you know you you're working at like canada's best music studio you want to redo the theme <laughs> i said i said not that i don't like the theme i do but are, are and i and i kind of framed it, i said are you happy with the theme because it's got your name on it and he goes yeah maybe i'll take a look at that <laughs> <laughs> so new theme coming. And, and he's trying to think of when did I give you these? Because like, like it's left his mind, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like gone. I'm going, you know. Probably a five-minute job for him as well. Yeah, and he's going, oh, yeah. I'm, I, you know what? I got a little bit of time. I'm going to give that a listen. <laughs> and then maybe I'll send you something new. So. <laughs> It's the last time then. Well, we'll see. Uh, yeah. We'll save the PowerPoints for the one with the new theme. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. It is Potaholics time and PowerWorks. Talking cars, Glenn Powers here from PowerWorks Automotive. We're coming to you from the Rove Hotel downtown in the podcast studio. If there's anything going on in the automotive world, we're probably going to be talking about it. It's it's that simple. From fixing things to breaking brake pedals, brake pedals that are breaking. Nice. Yeah, the Mustang. We're going to talk about that because I'm thinking, how's the brake pedal breaking? Then I'm, I'm reading through the article a little bit, and it seems that people are really slamming on the brakes, probably because you know they're out of control at some point because you're driving a Mustang, right? Yeah. So you're you're pedal to the metal with gas so that you get yourself where you want to go. And then you, you see the speed camera break on. So I can only imagine 
what's happening there. So that'll be fun. And, and a whole bunch more. Yeah, this is, this is PowerWorks. Glenn's here. Let's get going. Let's do this. <laughs> so what's going on in the gone in the garage? I think, you know, it's, it's funny because we start talking to people and they know that we do these podcasts and they're listening to them. And one of the, the big questions everyone asks is, so what's going on with Glenn? <laughs> what's, what's, what's new in the garage this week? And I, I don't know if it's people trying to measure their own success or their own challenges or they're just generally curious. Nobody's really curious about what I'm doing. Most people are just thinking, mm, is it a good time to take my car in to get fixed? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's busy with nobody buying new cars. Mm. Everybody maintaining cars. Things that five, six years ago, people just wouldn't have repaired. Yeah, they just get rid of the car and say, okay, I'm going to get a new one. Yeah, yeah. It just So what are some of these things? So you've got, you know, major transmission, major engine repairs, really? rebuilds. Um, uh, so it's good for the rebuild situation, right? Because, I mean, there's a portion of that that you do in the shop and a portion yeah. of it that you send out. From a from a purely business point of view, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting situation. You've got a vehicle on a lift in a working area for sometimes three weeks. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of lift rebuild. space to take up. Yeah, and, you know, you're not obviously going to charge and cover all of the lost time, mm. quote unquote lost time. I mean, one of the, one of the things you, you know, you can't plan for what comes through the door. Right. So you've, you've got to deal with proactive where you can, but often mm. you have to be reactive. And, I, you and know, that's just the way it is. I never think about the lost lift time. Like if you're taking an yeah. engine out of something, you almost want to have it on blocks somewhere or something, yeah. push it around. But, you know, if you've only got four or five lifts or two or three, yeah. how do you, you know, that's space then, that's good real estate that's that's out of commission. Yeah, it's, it's productive space that's lost. And what we try to do, especially with the with the bigger engines, we, we try to lift the car off of the engine. So okay. we... we effectively remove the engine and, and catch it underneath yeah. and then lift the car up over it so that then we can work on the engine without it moving and then just mm. lower the car back down and it should be easy to line the bolts up and mount it back <laughs> I, in. I like the word, should be easy. It doesn't always work like that. <laughs> but then you get to a point, you know, two weeks in where there's some parts not turned up. I mean, we've been waiting for almost two months now for some um, rebuild parts for a, a 996 Porsche. Mm. And it's just lying around, getting pushed backwards and forwards and yeah. side to side to to make space for the vehicles, and it it does it does wear you out. It's, yeah. it's very very difficult to to manage it. And then you've got a little job that might take an hour, like a basic service on a car that you just can't get round to, yeah. because you've got fifteen twenty minutes of moving another car out of the way to get onto it. So that's, that's frustrating. Just, uh, that's frustrating. One of the daily challenges that we face. <laughs> and yeah. It's at that point that you start looking around at, at, at where you're located and start saying, oh, man, I, maybe I need some more real estate. Yeah, so the warehouse opposite us is opposite and to the left, but uh, that's available and we've made an offer. Mm. We'll see. If we can get it, then we can just turn that into a... There'll be, there'll be no reason for customers to, to go in there. We'll turn it into a purely dedicated workspace. Obviously, we've got a, an office and customer yeah. space at the moment. So we'll just turn that into a pure working environment, basically. We'll put an electrician's room, an engine building room, and then just everything else will yeah. be mechanical. That'd space. be kind of cool. Yeah. What do you think? What are the chances of real estate these days? Well, we, we're in a block of 12 warehouses. Um, 
three of them are empty. Okay. And if we don't get the second one, we'll have to move somewhere else. Yeah. So then there'll be four empty. So you would think that the landlord would want the, yeah. in uncertain times like these. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, that's kind of a neat position to be in, though. That you know, new business. You're already looking at expanding. You're looking at building out. Yeah, it's interesting. Like here, because obviously everything we you rent, you rent commercial space here. Yeah. And for my father-in-law, who's been through those stages with his own business in in the UK, he got to a point where they were able to own their property their mm. warehouse and obviously that's something that um we, we don't have that mm. even if we had the the, the funds and the, the the backing to do that right now we we can never get to that point we're always relying on being able to rent the place yeah so it is a bit of an interesting one and We'd like to have a good relationship with the landlord because I'd like to have all 12 warehouses one day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. Yeah. But, we're, you know, we've, we've got to get the space we, we really we really have. And to start out with, I remember saying to a few people that, you know, I was going to have six lifts plus four ground bays. Yeah. And people saying, wow, that's a lot of space. It really isn't. Yeah. Well, you know, and I wonder if, if the appetite as you said, people are holding onto the cars longer. They're doing some of these major things that, you know, I remember getting rid of a car because of, of, uh, you know, a, a leaking issue that today, if I'd had that car in one talk, it was a coolant leak into the engine block or into the, it was, go, it was a coolant leak into the oil Yeah. and who knows where that was. And the easiest way, and even the garage at the time, I mean, this was, this is going way back. This is Max's garage, probably 2003 over in Rashidia. And the easiest thing at that point, I mean, they did everything to try and find it. You know, the next step would have been, hey, we're going to have to pull out this motor and take a, a good look because clearly there's there's a seal gone. Yeah. And at that point it was, you know what, you might as well just get rid of this vehicle and get something, whether used or new, it's going to be a better deal for you. Yep. Today, we'd be pulling that engine out. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, it, it, I had to adjust to it coming from the UK here when I first came here, but the amount of vehicles we got through the doors in, in AAA um, with things that were clearly repairable, but we used yeah. to just scrap the vehicle. Yeah. And and then it'd either be broken for parts or as a business we'd maybe repair it and use it as a courtesy car or use it as a company vehicle for, for one of the staff or to help get the staff home at the end of the day or go and buy parts in whatever it was. And I was thinking, why are we doing that? You know, why do people not fix it? But then at the time, 2012, things were great. Yeah, totally different. You know, yeah. I, I mean, we're, I'm seeing the ads for the Mitsubishis. I'm seeing the ads for the Toyotas. I'm seeing the ads for Honda and stuff. And I just wonder who's buying them. Now, that being said, I know someone who went out and bought a, a Kia recently. And I, I know a few people who've got new cars. But I, that can't be the norm. Definitely not. Definitely a hundred percent is not the norm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the figures. Maybe there aren't figures for for the UAE like there are for the UK. I mean, I could go now and find the UK figures. But that was something yeah. that was important to us when we were at home. But it's it's not the norm. Yeah. It, it certainly isn't because if you've got a car now that's six, seven years old, like say eight years ago, even five years ago, there's no way you'd be doing some of the repairs that, that we're seeing come through the door now and we are it's good in a way for us 
but then you have the ultimately we rely on the motor vehicle manufacturers right we rely on them making vehicles we rely on them keeping keeping going and keeping investing and it's it's a it's a strange one and and here as well we have a situation with there's no competition yeah in terms of if you want a uh, a, a certain type of vehicle there's only one franchisee which is i always i mean i to this day i mean i've been here 20 years to this day i just find that so odd whereas back in canada you know i, I might there's going to be 5 10 15 different franchises yeah. in the vicinity of, of toronto that are selling fords or yeah. chryslers or kias and if i'm not getting the the, the best deal at the, the the you know the one by my house you know, hey, I could drive an hour and I might find some spectacular deal yeah. because they've got a whole different criteria for, for unloading their stock. It's very, um, it makes for a unique marketplace. Let's put yeah. it that way. And I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't profess to be an economist or anything like that, but I, I don't know how it affects it. I, I can't yeah. see that, that it's positive. I think one of the big challenges we face here in the Emirates is that the franchise buys the vehicles, yes. whereas there's a lot more consignment going on in yeah. in other countries. And so if they're buying the vehicles, they've already got an outlay. And I, I just feel sorry for some of these guys because they've got big, you know, fields of cars sitting yeah. there. After 90 days, they've, they own them. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Can you imagine? And, and so one side of me keeps thinking there's got to be some great Wrangler deals that are sitting out there in a field that these guys got to unload, but you know, they're, they, they, they still want to make money on them. So I'm not, I'm not sure what the answer is. We've, we've sort of touched on it before, yeah. you know, I'd, I don't know. I'd be giving cars away oh, trying, I, to get I, this, trying to get the service yeah. um, revenue. Yeah. So uh, who knows? We'll see. Well, give it. We'll give it a few more months, and we'll see what happens. Hey, that brings up a great point. You came here in taxi today, yeah. but uh, any cars catching your attention, grabbing your attention in the shop on the road? Uh, that you know, periodically we see things, and we just kind of go, "Man, that's a really interesting car." Or, that's a real terrible car. I, I don't know why they invented one of those. One thing I saw today was a MG6. Go. Oh. It was like a bright red uh-huh. with a gloss black finish on it. On like the trims and stuff, yeah. he said trophy on the back. I assume it's a special edition. And I was at the side of it, and I thought, oh, it looked a little bit. It looked a little bit like a like a Kia, mm. a little bit sort of sporty. And then I got to the front. <laughs> as I went past it. What an abomination of a front end that was! <laughs> it had like these awful daytime driving lights from like the early two thousands, and it yeah. was like just. LED strips and yeah. oh man, and the car can't have been a year old. Probably brand new. So that that really caught my eye this morning. But uh, we've got we've had a we've got a nice nine nine one nine eleven in at the minute, and we've had a couple of nine nine six nine elevens in. I do like a nine eleven. Mm. Who doesn't? Yeah. No, they're they're classics. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Hey, I, I drove by and I've seen a couple of them now, and they're they're more fleet use these days. But the old Honda Odyssey, yep. And you know, a nice enough van, and you get in, it's got things. But I was driving by one today, and I just you know, I was I was driving by it. We we were at the same speed, so we were you know side by. You know, I was just behind it for, you know, it was off to my left for probably a good fifteen minutes, and I'm just looking at this vehicle. And I, and I know, you know, brown car guy, Shazad Sheikh, you know, big fan of Hondas. And then there, and him, both him and M. Tishan fell out of love with Hondas and then kind of fell back in love with Hondas. But I was looking at the Odyssey 
and I, and all I kept thinking was, nice vehicle, but I, it 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 kind of looks like to me it really lost. It doesn't. It didn't have a timely look anymore. No. And and it, it it and it's not even that it had like oh yeah that's a, that's a car from five years ago or ten years ago. It was just I'm looking at it going. There's something really wrong with the look of that car. They're a fair price to buy as well. Yeah, like it's, it's expensive. So expensive, yeah. And it and uh, you know it, it was just ugly. They're not nice to drive. I don't like the drive of them. Really? Just just because of I, I don't like how the gear lever is. I don't mm. like how the steering wheel is. But it, at the end of the day, it's a minivan. Yeah, you know, it, it, and it does what it does. But yeah. I. I, I don't think it's a patch on the Carnival. The Kia Carnival's a better car, in oh my man. opinion. No. Those, those have gotten really nice looking. And they, they well, I mean, they, they never were totally ugly. They kind of just did what they needed to do. Yeah. When they first came out, they really reminded me of, you know, the 1988 Chrysler Caravan yeah, kind yeah. of nice boxy thing. Yeah, but they've, got a nice, they've had a nice oh. facelifts and yeah. updates, and they do, they do look cool. And, and for the price you pay compared to the Odyssey. Yeah. It's full of full options, and I, I, yeah. I just thought the Odyssey just looked ugly. Yeah. And I, it, it is weird with with. Um, it's got a weird window, side window setup, and it, I don't know. It, it is weird with Hondas. Hondas are sort of like <laughs> they're hit or miss. Yeah, when we bought the when we bought the Kia in twenty fifteen, we had looked at a Honda CRV or a CRV. Yeah, okay. It drove it, and it was no way we were going to buy it after driving it. It mm. had this. Really rudimentary um, lane change assist yeah. system, which just shook the whole car and <laughs> massive amber lights flashing on the on the mirrors and the dashboard, which yeah, just yeah. frightened Amy at the time when we drove it. It's like, what is that? Why, who yeah. wants that? And then we had also the fact that you cannot see out of it. Yeah. The blind spots are awful. You know, this this is actually a really important point, and and I'm going to deviate away from Honda as we bash in them a little bit. And and <laughs> some of their products have gotten better, but it, there was a a whole point in their you know design evolution where they, I think they just lost track. I think of everybody's been there, right? Yeah, all, all vehicles have been through that. All manufacturers. But something that I'm noticing more and more, and I'm seeing it, you know, in parking lots, is the number of vehicles that have shocking blind spots. And and I all I can put it down to is electronics, and we're now so dependent on all of these sensors that the the manufacturers aren't thinking so much about oh are they going to be able to see is you know is that post in the wrong place is you know how far can they can we get the symmetry with the hood so that you can see the front bumper yeah. I just more and more I'm looking at it I think they've just given up and as soon as any anyone has to revert and, and there's always the possibility that your sensors aren't going to work right and I've seen people trying to navigate things and their, their blind spots are huge yeah there's some cars out there that are really bad that. the CRV is probably the worst normal car I've ever driven that's <laughs> had a blind like you know the, the worst blind spot like mm. literally you can see out of the side window and that's that, that that's was it. it you know like and obviously i have to have the seat in freak position but my wife who's normal yeah, she had the same feedback yeah. you can't see when you're reversing you look over your shoulder you can't see through yeah, the window that terrifies me when i when i'm driving and i can't see out the back window when i'm reversing and you know you look over my shoulder i can't make out what's in the there's a huge blind spot there and and, and everyone again everyone else says yeah but you got the sensors it's like well you know yeah but even those sensors sometimes 
if it, if things all line up in the right place, it doesn't it doesn't trigger. Yeah, the sensors aren't instant anyway. I mean, you yeah. got to remember that. And plus, we often get, you know, if you're parking in a in a parking space, you know, there's people walking between cars that come oh, across. Man. You know, there's doors being opened out of, from from cars parked adjacent to you. So there's 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 nothing better than actually seeing it with your own eyes. Yeah. And even you know, in in some kind of defense to the manufacturers, they do put never rely solely on camera or something yeah. to that effect when you <laughs> when you select reverse or you select parking aids and at the end of the day that's great and all but if you can't see what else are you going to rely on i mean the 360 views and the sort of overhead view that work yeah. with the mirror under mirror cameras and the so you, it's almost like you're looking over the car yeah, it's like, cool. you know the original version of grand theft auto <laughs> it's great and everything it is it really is great but the perspective's a little bit out right and you still need to be able to use your eyes yeah you know we're not on full <laughs> self-driving mode yet yeah. that's not that's not cool you, well, you need to see and the other one is the the distance from where you can see on the symmetry of the hood the bonnet to the bumper so that you know there can be a foot that you don't realize, and I've seen this when I've I've driven someone else's vehicle, and you're you're navigating into a parking spot, and then you think, okay, I'm I'm in the right space. You get out, and you go, oh, I can go ahead two feet, but when you get back in, you're going, it looks like I'm going to hit the wall. Yeah, yeah. And I, man, that's a design flaw. Like this is really an issue. Yeah, it's, you know, I had the the trouble with the um, American stuff when I came here, mm. so especially the muscle cars just have the never-ending bonnets <laughs> yeah. or i remember at the time thinking who would drive this yeah because obviously i come from the vw stuff which was sensibly proportioned in from what i was used to and then i've got to park a mustang or a camaro and you can't see the bumper and you've got yeah. no idea what's behind or in front of the scoop that's yeah. on the middle of the bonnet and it's like how do you park this yeah. thing? just reversing them everywhere yeah <laughs> so um it's it's about being used to what you drive, I suppose, and and that's one of the things that I don't know. It's it's Samsung and Apple, right? Yeah. If I cannot for the life of me use an Apple iPhone, I have got no idea. My wife has showed me a thousand times how to unlock her phone when she's wanting me to do something for her. I've got no idea how to do it. Not a clue. It's becoming more and more like an Android, though. It's funny. I was talking with Andrew, side note, and he says, oh, now we got widgets. And I'm going, what? He's like, oh, yeah, and now we can do this. And, and I'm going, and I'm looking at it, and I'm going, what, what, do you, what do you mean you can now do that? I mean, I've been doing that for years. And he goes, well, yeah, but you've been using Android. <laughs> going, oh yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the same with with phones and, and cars. Same, same. You know, I'm a yeah. I'm a PlayStation guy. Yeah, not an Xbox guy. Yeah, and I got no idea. I was in a, a friend's workshop, uh, Silver Arrows, a Mercedes specialist over in Alcoos. They're just around the corner from me, and I just go in and say hi from time to time, and they help us out with some online stuff for the Mercedes that we get in, if needed, and. They've got a Formula One set up there with the like seat and foot pedals steering wheel. It's very neat. But it's uh, Xbox. Yeah, so you have no clue. No, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> not doing, no, no, I'm not cross-platform, I'm not, sorry. I'm not doing that, no chance. <laughs> what next? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the same. I, I, so I'm rolling with this smashed up S8, S8 Plus or whatever it is, yeah. and I've had it three years. Great phone. Still Absolutely works. smashed to pieces. 
uh, do offered me the S20. Uh-huh. So the S20 Ultra comes, it's huge, massive thing. But they've taken the auxiliary port out, yeah, like Apple it. did, and yeah. now use the USB. Yeah. Surely a dedicated port's better. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and this is the kind of, and my point on that is like, surely a car that's designed to do just one thing is better than a car that's designed yeah. to do loads of things. Yeah. Like, you know, you're never going to get, you're never going to get a car that's got plenty of space for five grown-ups, luggage, roof rack, that's going to be sporty. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? They you tried know? with the Chrysler K cars. Yeah. You're just never going to get it. You know, if you can get your golf clubs in the, in, in the back of it and, and your two children in car seats, plus your holiday suitcases, it's yeah. probably not going to be the most dynamic drive. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just the way it is. Yeah. But if there's a, if there's a particular purpose for a vehicle, then, then great. And you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot to be said when we've, we've been talking about the, the issues with blind spots on cars and like you say, maybe the manufacturers are thinking, well, there's technology that'll solve that issue, right? The, the, who, who cares? And also yeah. pilots, and all these autonomous features yeah. and the computer will take care of it. You don't have to worry. I'm pretty sure if we had Elon Musk in here now, having heard him for hours on Joe Rogan and other stuff that he's done, he's happy to autopilot, yeah. self-drive. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. That's the future. Like he's not, he'd get in his Tesla and let it drive him. Anyway, yeah. like he's cool with it. He trusts it. He was there from the ground up with the design and the R&D and making it work and we're not all Elon Musk. <laughs> so everyone's going to take some time to get used to that. But people are very, very, very happy to rely on cameras and sensors. And yeah. it's the first step and probably better than just throwing autonomy at everybody. Mm. But it's it's going to happen. And then everything will be a blind spot because you'll have fully blacked out windows and the inside of the car will be like an immersive 3D yeah. cinema experience sauce. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a, there's a LG has teamed up. Let me just go through the yeah, LG and Hyundai have teamed up with together with a, a concept for the, uh, the Ionic and they're playing around with this concept and it's, it's just crazy as you, as they start thinking about it with the tech but some of the tech is really practical as well, which, which became really interesting. And I thought, man, you know, I, I get it for a vehicle for a very specific reason, but would you want that vehicle all the time? And I guess if we start getting into the, uh, the autonomous world and, and stuff where it's no longer the love of driving, it's just purely, hey, I need a box that's going to get me from A to B. So, you know, am I going to have my PlayStation when I get in there? Is it going to be, you know, a chance to meditate, have a nap, you know, have some food, you know. <laughs> One of the things that I, that I think happens with every sort of, leap forward in whatever field it is it will just get there will be people that take it for granted and just completely abuse the 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 sort of privilege they've got and there'll be people that use it for good so to speak i mean somebody like andrew who's driving to and from meetings or you know yeah he's gonna have time if he's in in that sort of vehicle where he can do his emails and 
take calls and reply to messages and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's it's going to turn into let's party on the way to work or yeah. let's party on the way home. Well, or, I think it's like everything, right? You're going to get the you're going to get that party bus for the, for the start, and people. Oh yeah, and then I think people wear into it. Like like this. I mean, I, the more I read about some of these features they want to throw into this with LG and Hyundai teaming up, 77 inch flexible LED screen that can actually curve. The screen can show multiple things, so it could have two people watching different things. On it. I thought that's kind of cool. But then it gets into some of the some of the cool stuff and all gesture controls, etc. Yeah. But I loved the whole idea that there's a center console has a single server coffee machine <laughs> and then in between the seats uh, closer to the floor there's a refrigerator drawer with free drinks and snacks and then it's talking about uh there's a compartment the refrigerator there's compartments for clothes i think that's that's a really good one can you imagine being able to have your clothes in your car and uh then there's something that helps drive shoes and and freshen them up especially you know if it's winter or if you got rain i mean i thought okay this is getting better by the minute and uh you know just just kind of cool i mean I, I really oh and then oh i thought this one was the automated sweeper panel slides across the floor to remove spills crumbs <laughs> and uv light illuminates to disinfect the, the cabin surface i'm thinking this actually sounds pretty good. See, the first thing I'm thinking for that, <laughs> honestly, the first thing I'm thinking for that, the only responsible use of that right now would be for first responders and ambulances, yeah. right? Oh, I mean... Imagine how well, good that would be for that. And and some version of that for schools. Yeah. So we got, you know, lower number of people hidden into the vehicles. Yeah. Again, it's just having the... the the ultraviolet light going through and disinfecting and a little bit of entertainment. Imagine if you yeah. built a little bit of school into the transport. I mean, I'm thinking this is, there's some options here. Yeah. <laughs> a friend, um, a friend of ours, um, John Ellis, he did a creative moments oh, yeah. for you. Once yeah. Time. Yeah. So he's theme park guy. Yes. So he's, um, building an attraction and it's going ahead in the UK. Uh, we won't get into that. What a mess. But the attraction, obviously, the, the construction of it got delayed because it was mm. due to start the turn of the year and the yeah. whole coronavirus situation because some of the material was coming from China. Okay. So it got delayed. But in the time of the delay, they've obviously had to work out, well, hang on, this attraction is going to have people in it and some of the areas are confined, a little bit like the cabin of a car. Yeah. So do we do what places that are existing now have done and just put sanitizer everywhere which is a nightmare because you've got to go in and check oh, it and fill yeah. it up and yeah. then they break and you have to replace them and if they can't be replaced then the attraction is closed and yeah. i always find that someone's blah, not checking all yeah exactly yeah people are bored of it already yeah or do we build them with that the in blue mind light, and obviously it changes the whole yeah Changes the whole build and the whole concept, right? So, so blue light needs power. So suddenly, a place where you wouldn't have to have power, yeah, needs power. Yeah, and and you know, how do you effectively, quickly, efficiently sanitize an area? How do you manage footfall? And how yeah. do you? This is all something that's 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 changed. And you know, as we were saying last week about um, autonomous vehicles, how they how they would. Own, they, they lend themselves to car share mm. but then who's going to want a car share with somebody yeah. when they don't know who they are potentially or even if yeah. they do know who they are they don't know necessarily how hygienic they are so 
is that the whole car share thing, which we thought was going to be the saviour of congestion and congested cities. Yeah. That's maybe dead in the water. Now. Well, even even bike share, you know, the you've got all these these bikes yeah. that you can get all over the place. Who I don't know who's been driving it. I don't know who no. sneezed on the handlebar and now that sneeze stuff is caught there and yeah. you don't see it and someone's who's wiping those things yeah. down. So so things like this where you where you've got okay, this is just mentioned in the floor here, yeah. which is the only practical <laughs> thing to do because it's flat and smooth and nice and easy to yeah. to operate. But you know, th- there's there's always a f- you know first step along the road and yeah. this 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 could be it and i do think that spaces that can be effectively sanitized i mean there's no reason why this couldn't i'm pretty sure it's feasible but any scientists listening might tell me i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure there could be a way that you could just ozone sanitize that every time the doors were closed and there was no occupants inside yeah. Now, f- the first thing I'm thinking with that is, oh dear, what happens when <laughs> it just goes off when there are people that's inside? That's the thing. You but you know, we talked we talked about those, those inventions, the the tear gas in the vehicle, where if it's getting exactly. stolen, right? Now, that is technology. <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah, that never went anywhere because what happens if it misfires? <laughs> tell you, that never went anywhere because what happens? Every, the problem was everybody was tear gassing the kids when they were trying to steal the yeah. car at night. <laughs> so, now, um. So this is a maybe a first step on resurrecting the whole shared ownership yeah, model, which maybe. would save congestion. It would save the environment as well. And one of the problems, which is why I think you might find some more resistance in... in it's got to be fast, that is, it, But if, if... Let's say me and you both own a car. Yeah. Okay. And then we decide, you know what? We're going to own a car, but we're going to share it. And we can work it out that our commutes can fit around each other and that's great. And there might be two or three other people that are in on that deal because they work nights or mm. all of a sudden that's three, four people potentially not buying new cars and just buying one. Yeah. So that's if you're cool. head of VW, you're head of General Motors, you're head of Ford or Chrysler, whoever it is, do you really want to push that? Yeah, yeah. I do you really want to do that? Because you've lost a huge potential share of the market you know the only people that would benefit are the end user and from a business point of view manufacturers aren't interested in that yeah <laughs> they need they need to sell cars off all the time the, the only way that could work is if they did make them like mobile phones yeah. and they did huge ridiculous tech updates and, and, and styling updates every single tw- year, yeah. sometimes twice a year. No one's doing that. No, no one's, one's doing, doing it. it. That's yeah. too expensive. So so that, to me, is another side of the of the coin. You know, it's, it, yeah. it's, it's, why, it's why smoking isn't illegal. I, I, it's almost, to me, it's, it reminds me of the old Disney and the Grand Prix circuit where they have the go-karts in there. And, you know, yeah, they're go-karts, but they're kind of on a track. And it, it seems to me that if we start getting autonomous vehicles that work on a circuit and it's sort of the, the, the line, it's sort of the space between taking a taxi and taking a bus and you can get into these autonomous vehicles and then they, you know, micro direct around where they're going, kind of the Mazdar idea yeah. and it could work. But if, if they, things can't be cleaned fast enough and I'm not so sure we're ever going to go back to a, a life when we're not, really thinking sanitization, which is what we should have been thinking anyway. But if they can't be cleaned fast enough, then that becomes that inhibitor. Not just that though. You can't have autonomous and human operated side by side. 
Yeah. Because you're always going to have to have autonomous vehicles on the side of caution. Mm. Well, we're as human we're idiots. <laughs> yeah. We're just idiots. Yeah. We you take know. a lot of risks. How many times do you say the word idiot when yeah. you drive from here to home? Yeah. You know, I got to say it in my head because I got no windows oh, in. Yeah, so you, yeah. if you're driving, idiot, <laughs> person turns around and looks at you. You're talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, sorry. So it was in my head. You've got that, you've got that ge- as a genuine issue, right? So, yeah. so you can't, you, autonomous vehicles have to be on the side of caution. You can't have all of a sudden, right, turn the autonomous systems on. Yeah. And then you've got. It's either autonomy or not. 67 Mustang driving down the road. Yeah. And it's like, what are the autonomous vehicles going to do? Mm. They're going to just stop because they can't predict, they can't communicate with that car. They can't predict where it's going to go. Yeah. It's different if, if you're all on a, on a Skynet kind of thing <laughs> and yeah. it's like my car knows where your car wants to go, your car knows where I wants to, my car wants to go and they work it out between themselves the most efficient way to give way. Yeah. Fantastic idea, great, amazing, no problem. But then you've got some guy on a moped trying to nip through, yeah. which you can't predict. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So this is the this is the thing, and I think Mazda is a great great example of fantastic place, fantastic idea. But you still have to get there right. by yeah. traditional yeah. transport means, and then within the city, you've got the autonomous yeah. little pod cars that yeah. follow magnetic tracks or whatever yeah. they do. But you can't have. There's no one whizzing around <laughs> on a golf buggy in between that. Yeah, it all works. And you know, the other side of this, and, and you actually brought it up, and we talked about it, I talked about it in the intro, is, uh, well, Ford's recalling, what, 38,000 of their Mustangs. The ones, the, the V, the 10-speed the, the automatic transmission versions. And I, I suspect we're talking in the U.S. But what, what's interesting and why the, and they're, they're, re, they're recalling them because of a defective brake pedal bracket. And as it's saying, if, if the driver slams on the brake, the, the bracket could break and then the brakes don't work. And, and so I, I'm not thinking about this in terms of the Mustang nor Ford. I'm thinking of this in terms of materials in cars today. And the fact that, you know, this could happen speaks to me about how, you know, we're, we got to think about what kind of aluminum I use, are we using steel composites and, you know, is it going to stand the test of time? Has it gone through the IKEA stomp test and stuff like that? And and it's just like wow, you know, how did something's they miss that? happened there? Especially with it saying it's only on the ten speed auto. Yeah, right? it's a very particular Where vehicle to, to accommodate that transmission and more likely the electronics that operate it. They've had to change the design of the pedal box. Yeah, and I'm thinking how how hard do you have to slam on it to break the bracket? That's the other question I'm wondering. Yeah, we we I I mean I I used to change pedal boxes we used to change the pedal box it was always the the clutch pedal that would mm. fail on on like the, the we used to get the i don't know if you get them in canada but the small vw lupo no really small really cool car yeah no. awesome car and we used to change the pedal box on those because the clutch pedal would go spongy and okay. it's because the metal was springing right uh, yeah. crack yeah um but you'd like to think that the brake pedal was pivoting around something about nine inches thick yeah <laughs> you know it's like there's no and you know do we do people never learn like it's not that long ago that toyota accelerator pedals would yeah. get stuck on yeah yeah because they were breaking apart now that was a nylon bush or something inside well so the thing that i started thinking about with this and i don't know because i did zero research i just read it but then my mind's starting to think how much of that brake pedal 
is physical braking. So you're, you know, it's mechanical braking versus it's an electronic braking system. So when I apply pressure, it's an electronic signal being sent yeah. as opposed to when I apply pressure, I'm hitting the plunger. And I thought maybe that, it, cause if that's happening, kind of like fly by wire, right? If that's happening in cars and people are still thinking, you know, they've, they've configured everything. So it feels like it's actually yeah. happening when in reality it's not. I thought, well, that requires different driving actually. Yeah, I mean, this is they're still they're still required. You you still are required to apply mechanical effort to the brakes, mm. and they are still hydraulically operated. The the some of the vehicles with electronic parking brakes with a little switch. If you if you in an emergency have no brakes or want to stop fast, you can just pull that switch, and it will one hundred percent hydraulic pressure through the ABS system to all four brakes, and that's the only real and that's even not a regular use but something that's yeah. easy to to do from a driver from a regular driver's perspective uh, that I can think of now when you press the brake pedal if it can't pivot it's not going to push anything or right. it isn't going to push anything properly yeah. uh, and, and you've, you've got that issue now as soon as you press the pedal there'll be switches either a physical plunger switch or actual just position switches that see the, the pedal moving that operate the brake lights, for example, that will give a signal to do that and will also give a signal of how much pressure is being applied by the driver so mm. that if it does need to accommodate for anything, as in create more vacuum, there'll be electronic vacuum pumps to help do that to allow the pedal to be pressed a bit soft, a bit easier by the driver. Yeah. But if you can't pivot the brake pedal, you're going to have no brakes. That's, yeah. That is a fact. Yeah. Yeah, that's, the, the, a, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a real issue. Um, good that they've figured it out. I don't want to know how they figured it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking they've had too many people who had accidents. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, and, the, and the beauty about that is you can go actually read what's going on with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Yeah, the NHTSA stuff. We, it's an online resource free to anybody. Yeah. So you can go on there and, and see. And if you've got a particular vehicle now, obviously that that's the, the US. But if if a, if a vehicle's affected there, it may well be that if you're driving one in a different country, it could have a similar yeah. recall outstanding. But always ask the dealer about that, and don't be scared to keep going back if if you're unsure with their answer being yeah. accurate. Here's another one, and this one is the wording, and this is a break by way. I love the wording of this one. So this is the 2020 uh, Corvettes by Chevrolet, a number of and a number of other GM products. They've confirmed to have an issue with brake sensor contamination. (laughs) Brake sensor contamination in the brake-by-wire system. And I'm going, brake sensor contamination. What are we talking about here? Because it's... Right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to read if there's anything more technical there before we get in trouble for saying the wrong thing. But, but I and I thought you know, and this is exactly what we're talking about with the with with the Mustang I, again, having not gone and taken a big look at things. But the the number of systems in vehicles now that are by wire and not by the old brute force. And and when we talk power steering and stuff, there, I mean, I can't remember which one it was because it was, it was years ago, a couple of years ago, talking about it with Shazad Sheikh, talking about the the steering on a vehicle that was drive by wire. So it, it you know had steering wheel and the steering wheel did stuff. That sounds very French. That sounds very Citroen. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> you know, but it wasn't a, you know, there, there wasn't like you had 
you know, a shaft going down that was connecting up was, no, no, it was all by wire. And I was just like, wow. But, but the wording of this sensor contamination, I, I, I guess we're talking software in the sensor. Well, we've got here, uh, here's how GM, and this is from Autoblog. So here's how GM describes the problem. Um, material used in a sensor connection in the electronic brake boost system in these vehicles may have been contaminated during the material supplier's production process. Contamination of this material may cause an interruption of communication between the sensor and the brake boost system under certain conditions. So, basically, so, so the connector is not. What connecting. I take from that is this is electronic. Uh, there's a sensor which we just talked yeah. about. So, so most cars now have servos, as we'd call them, or, or boosters on them, where if you've driven an old car without it, the pedal's really hard. It's yeah. like it's got no brakes. And if you've driven a car where the brake booster or the brake servo has failed, the pedal's really hard and you think you've got no brakes. Now, you have got brakes. It's just very hard with your one leg to stop mm. a car that weighs two tons from moving. Yeah. And the the way we aid that for the driver is there's a, a vacuum, usually, not always. Um, some cars like the Mitsubishi Pajero use an electronic one, but there's there's a vacuum which will effectively pull the pedal so there's always a, an assistance to mm. you pushing the pedal there's a vacuum pulling it in at the same time so there's a sensor that will detect how much pressure is being applied to the pedal and does the driver require more effort is the driver applying a lot of pressure but the brakes aren't doing much so does it require more effort is there not mm. much travel on the brake so there's a sensor for that and it's basically saying here from what I can see that if it's causing a, an interruption of communication, it, it must be, must be, that either A, the wrong material have been used and it's it's allowing noise or interference, yeah. or there's some kind of swarf or, or build-up on the actual connections. Can, can you imagine we're talking about this with cars? I mean, this is, you know, and this, and this, isn't, this isn't just sort of an auxiliary feature. <laughs> No, this, this is this like isn't the USB not working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like a one of the most important parts of your vehicle, the braking, and and, and the top of the list is a Chevy Corvette, which yeah. will do two hundred miles an hour. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just thinking it, and it, you know, they put that one there, and, and and a number of other GM Motor products, and yeah. I didn't click on to see what the other ones were because yeah, there's a CT4, CT5, and XT4 from Cadillac. There's right. the Buick Encore. Okay, we don't get those here, but that's GX spec only, according to this. And then the 2021 forthcoming Trailblazer. Oh, which are kind of scary looking. Mm. You seen, have you seen the new ones? No, but it's in blue, so I can well, click on that. I'm thinking the Trailblazer and the Jimmy. I've seen the new Jimmy, and it doesn't look anything. You know, when I think of a Jimmy and the Trailblazers, I, it always reminded me a little bit of... Re- oh. <laughs> well, we talked about this. That looks, yeah. that looks like a... Sort of a Nissan Juke. Yeah, yeah, there we go. And I remember at one point the the Jimmy kind of downsized, and so I'm thinking maybe the mid '80s. And then before that, though, they were they were kind of big. They were almost like a Bronco kind of thing, you know. And then it's the Trailblazer, kind of the same thing. And what's that really cheap Hyundai? The um, there was the Tucson. There was no, the Galloper. There's, no, there's one. The, the the it starts with the C, right? The Creto or Creta? Creta, yeah, yeah. Creta, 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 Cretin. That's what that looks. I like. call it the Crouton. Maybe it's yeah. made in partnership. Who knows? Maybe, but I, you know, I. But anyway, yeah, crazy vehicles. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, one of the problems is, and 
I, I think a lot of some of these car companies, you know, with the Bronco coming back out, there's a lot of vehicles that people are going to say, oh, these, these were great. These were, whether they were great or not, they were, they were, there's name recognition. Yeah. So let's bring it back. Let's bring back the Trailblazer. It's like, well, hold on a second. You, know, you got the name, but it does, it's not a Trailblazer. And motor manufacturers increasingly have just become assembly plants. Yeah, they, they design them. Don't get me wrong. They yeah, design them, yeah. but they don't actually manufacture any of the component parts so you'll have body panels shipped in and, and engine components transmissions transmissions for a long long time ac components yeah. brake components they're all manufactured outside and then assembled by the manufacturer and then sold yeah. and there's obviously reasons for that but yeah it's, <laughs> yeah this is why problems like this happen yeah. you know there's 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 35,000 Mustangs with the 10-speed auto. They can't have been that many sold. That's got to be a high proportion of the ones they've sold in yeah. the US. Yeah, can you imagine? Because it's very specific. Sold, you know, even if they've sold 350,000, that's 10%. And no one caught this this issue until they've had a number of problems. And, just, and you, can, you can picture it because you did this with VW where you're getting the same thing coming in. So you're pulling things apart. You're going and you're looking and you're yeah. then going back to the factory. Yeah. And finally, it's like, okay, you so know what? This is what it is. To, to give people an idea, what happens is when... when when a new model comes out, and um, it could be anything, uh, whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether it's the, the the latest Polo or the latest Phaeton or anything in between, we would get a mandatory from the manufacturer requirement as a as a dealership as an agency to report anything and everything that we find on those vehicles for three months. Mm, mm. So on PDI, so pre delivery inspection, if we find that the rubber are around the windows are a little loose or we find that every single one we get the wheel bolts are loose or every one we get the some covers are discolored or there's a rattle uh, as an example the Scirocco the Scirocco came out and it had been which year are we talking here 2008 okay that's a new one I'm th- I'm, I, I still have a, a an affinity oh, for the, the old one for the 1984 Square, yeah, yeah, that that, that square tank like thing. Yeah, beautiful. Oh, oh, yeah, beautiful car. But the the new the 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 one in two thousand and eight was like everyone had been waiting for it for ages, and it was going to have the engine from the GTI, and it was going to be this that, and it came out, and everyone was all over them, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And driving them, and there's a little bit of a creak. Oh. There's a creak from the back window, and we're, oh, no, no. we're adjusting the, the rubber stoppers that yeah. hold tension on the tailgate to pop yeah. it open. Yeah. We're checking for wind noise, checking seals, and we're reporting this back and forth, and obviously other dealerships having the same thing. Yeah. So so we're reporting that and getting reports, and then maybe a month into sale, we got a recall for the mounts of the, you know, the little hydraulic struts that uh, hold yeah, the tailgate yeah. up. We, the mounts on them, the holes where the bolts went in were slightly too big. So the mounts were able to l- very, very slightly move. But as the body twisted, because it was so rigid, yeah. the body twisted going over bumps and stuff, it'd make a creak. So we had to change them. And, we yeah. to, and every single one, it was a proactive service campaign. So wow. they, because they knew where these, again, VW didn't make the mounts, they yeah. were made somewhere else. So because they knew they okay, were off that was from that supplier yeah. in whichever country it was from, 
they knew the VIN numbers of vehicles with that on and we got the VIN chassis range and any vehicle in that range, we just had to change them. It wasn't a safety issue, obviously. Yeah. And some customers maybe wouldn't have noticed. No, 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 a safety issue because someone's driving and they hear that creak. There's <laughs> like, what is that? And they're looking back on the thing and that's yeah. when they rear end someone. But that's how it, that's how it happens because again, these days, you know, manufacturers can't build 10,000 of them, give them to the factory workers and yeah. say, drive them around and give us feedback. Yeah. They can't do that. Wouldn't that be nice? Because Auto Blog and other people are yeah. wanting spy photos of the new models and they're wanting to test drive them. And, 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 and you know, manufacturers yeah. increasingly are going from model to model needing the income from it. More yeah. money, more money, we need more money. And, and that's that's the way it is. And, and areas that rely on vehicle manufacturing are often wholly dependent on vehicle manufacturing. Mm. Like if mm. that was to stop... Yeah. You're talking, I mean, well, we've got, we got stories in the U.S. right now, you know, in, in places in Ohio and other areas, you know, Detroit, the Rust Belt, it's already, yeah, it's already well, you, suffered. You, know, you, you think of a, you think of how Detroit, Heck, I'm thinking Oshawa, Ontario, that's, you know, well, hop, skip yeah. and a jump for where I grew up in Canada, yeah. you know, it's a tremendous change over the last 20 years to the point now where it's decimated in a sense. Yeah, it's whole. The, the, the whole those areas are wholly dependent, and um, you take a factory like Wolfsburg for VW, the main factory where all the best cars are made. Yeah. Sixty thousand plus employees. Sixty thousand. That's, 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 that's a whole a, town. That's a town. Yeah, and that, the, the area is literally for the VW plant. They've got a football team now. But <laughs> like, wow. You know that that's literally all they do. Yeah. So if they stop making cars, what do those 60,000, yeah. even for Germany with 80 odd million people, that's yeah. a lot of people to, to find jobs for. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you've, you've got to think that, you know, they, they need to keep getting cars out there and they, they can't take time to, to do quality checks. They just can't. And as well, if you're asking technical people to do it from, from factories, they're not going to be your everyday driver. You know, they're not necessarily going to worry about what it what it's like to get a, a child in and out of the back. And if there's a noise when you let go of the seatbelt or if there's a warning comes on when you take a left turn into your driveway, which is slightly on an incline. Yeah, yeah. We had all all sorts of things, but that's what happens with models now. There, there's, a, there's a period of, you tell us, you tell the factory what's wrong with it. And mm. that's what we had to do. And <laughs> then we'd get the recalls coming back. Crazy. Yeah. Hey, we want to add. We we want. We've been talking about this for a long time. We want to add a new segment to the show: powerpoints. And yeah. uh, I, I, I think this is kind of a cool idea. Now, uh, we, you know, we'll 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 bang out the intro to it. I mean, we, we Colin has already paved the way with uh, <laughs> ten minutes with Colin, so we'll throw some reverb and stuff into it. But yeah, I, my I, wife said we can't do ten minutes with Glenn because she never gets ten minutes with me. So. <laughs> well, that's what he said. It's the only time he gets ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she said, oh, ten minutes, I'd be lucky." Yeah. <laughs> Ten minutes of you know, <laughs> powerpoints. No, I like it. I like, and, and you know, the whole idea, as we've been talking about for a while, is is just that quick reminder on stuff. That that you know, a little bit of education, that little bit of thought, and uh, we we got to kick it off. Are, are we going to kick it off this 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 week? Or are we going to kick it off? Uh, you tell me. Are you ready to go? I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do powerpoints. Let's do it. The first one. Let's pretend that there's been a. A jingle okay. and an intro. All right, so let's just be quiet for a second. This is PowerPoints with Glenn Power. And let's jump in. There we go. So we actually promised people we'd give a bit of a technical rundown on AC 
So um, basically, there's a there's a a way of looking at AC in a nutshell, which would be you're trying to take heat from something hot, so the air, to something cold, and and that's the way that's the way temperature goes. You can't get something with less temperature, so cold, to go into something hot. So it, it's the opposite way around. Heat is the one that something hotter, the, the heat goes to the cooler thing until they equalise. So with AC on a car, we are needing to chill something very fastly and very, very quickly in a way that will take all of the heat out of the air and then when the air comes into the cabin, it's cold. The way we do it is using a refrigerant now, Fridge freezers and car AC systems and and and, and residential and commercial AC systems of the, the person that invented them has done untold damage to the environment. Untold damage. There's there's absolutely no dispute in that. But the 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 way it works is still quite genius. And what you have is the refrigerant, which at, at current times is is one called one two three four YF. But it's kind of irrelevant, really. You compress that with the compressor on the AC and that compresses uh, into a very, very high pressure liquid and it's it's held at high pressure for a reason which we'll get to. It then, because it's high pressure and it's so hot, it immediately, as you increase pressure, you increase temperature. It's trying to become a gas again. It's trying to change state. As it's trying to do that, we put it through what we call a condenser. So that does what it says again. It condenses the gas, allows it to stay as a liquid. That is then taken to a part of the AC system where we call it a dryer, which is basically taking out any moisture that may have got in from ambient air or if there's been a leak or something like that. Any moisture that's in the system for whatever reason is, is, is caught by effectively just a silica gel sachet a big one bigger than the one you get in your shoes and then it goes through a a very fine opening now there's a with again with dryer um and with the following part we're going to talk about now there are two different types there's a accumulator dryer and a receiver dryer again not relevant for what we do they both effectively do the same thing but then we have a restrictor or some people call them an orifice tube and or an expansion valve, um, technically called a thermal expansion valve. When you get the high-pressure liquid to this point, it's a very, very fine hole, and it's forced through this hole at 10, 15, depending on outside temperature, um, bar of pressure, so quite high pressure. At that point, it's sprayed out, and it's allowed to expand. As soon as it's allowed to expand and there's no pressure on it, it can then go through the process of changing from a liquid into a gas. As it does that, it uses energy to do that. And the energy it uses is heat energy, which is in the air. And the air that blows through this expanse um, after the expansion valve, it's inside the evaporator. That's where the liquid is evaporating into the gas. The air blows through that. The heat is taken out of the air to allow for the reactions continue and then the air that comes through the other side is ice cold so that's how the ac works and a couple of little things that happen because of what's 
sort of following on from why the, what's happening is we end up with condensation on the evaporator. The evaporator is very, very cold. The outside air, air always has some form of humidity. Here it's often very high. and But in, in wherever you are, there's always some moisture in the air. And if you've got your AC on, recirculate the air that's already in the cabin, then you're breathing air out that's wet. You're mm. sweating, you're coughing, sneezing. And that is being condensed as liquid and then drips out underneath the car. So you see a car running with the AC on and you'll see water leaking underneath. Uh, don't do what uh, one of the salesmen did to me once when I was working for VW, come away and say, this car you've just fixed for us to sell has got a water leak on it. Um, it hasn't, it was the AC. Uh, so yeah, you get AC dripping out of there. One of the things that that leads us on to is something we touched on, which, which was the best thing you can do for your AC system and for the health of you as an individual driving the car or using the car is for 30 seconds if you can before you end your journey just leave the fans blowing and everything else but just press the button that turns the AC off and just keep it blowing it'll stay cool cooler than the outside air for most of that time but it will just allow it to stop building up any more condensation so there's no condensation sitting in there or there's less because as soon as you stop that very, very quickly gets warm again from the outside air temperature and then the sun can be sometimes directly on the body of the car. And we all know what happens when things are warm and wet. It's a great place for bacteria to grow. Mm. And then we turn the car on and we get that awful smell. And that that's what happens. So that's basically, in a nutshell, AC. This is PowerPoints with Glenn Power. And that's PowerPoints with Glenn Power. Hey, I like it. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't worry. We'll 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 get the intro to this. But I think that's yeah, what yeah. A, what a great idea. How things work. Things we need to know. PowerPoints. Yeah, we can get on that. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, like I say, the, the whole show is is a great conversation, but it's also an opportunity to get an idea what's going on, learn a little bit, share a little bit, and and really be informed about how things work. So that when, when you happen into a garage, whether it's here in Dubai or whether it's anywhere in the world, whether you know you're out in Crooked Creek, I wonder if Crooked Creek has a, I don't think I actually have a garage, but Joey Wu will tell us. I'm open one there. Yeah. <laughs> Next door. Crooked Creeks. Crooked Creek. Chrome removers. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. Anyone that lives in Crooked Creek, bring your car in. I'll remove the chrome for free. <laughs> so now I'm going to see if he's listening to the entire podcast. <laughs> We're going to know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Joey Woods now also wants to get into the pergolas by uh, Colin. He wanted pictures. He's going, I think I could put some of those in my backyard. He's got he's got ten acres, so you know I don't know where the probably yeah. get a few in there. Yeah, he's got a pond with a manigator oh, in it. So I thought you meant Colin had got ten acres. <laughs> no. Just a couple, just a couple of acres, <laughs> a couple of acres, yeah, just a few. Oh man, you know what? This is this has been a lot of fun, and it's it's time that we uh, we packed up the kit and and moved on. Do it all again real soon. It's been PowerWorks right here on Podaholics with Glenn Power from PowerWorks Automotive. My name's James Pikeaway www.podaholics.com if you want to find more of our shows send us an email podaholics with a k at gmail.com hit us up on the socials and hey we're coming to you from the podcast studio at the Rolf Hotel downtown in Dubai look forward to talking to you again really really soon thanks a lot share the link and hey have a good one